Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So this morning I want to talk to you about family, because we are family. And as a Bethel Church, I want I, my prayer and our hope is as leadership that all of you will feel a part of the family. And so we've had a great move of the Spirit this morning, and so I'm going to try to move through this quickly, but I want to share it with you. And see, you have to understand that in today's society, we are more connected than we've ever been with technology. Melissa and I were in the Dominican, and we could talk to our kids through our phone by seeing them. So we are more connected today, but there is more loneliness today than ever before. As much as we are connected, we are so far apart from people, we feel so alone. And so this morning, I want you to know that if you come to Bethel, you are part of a family. And we want you to be connected. Now, when I say that, I need you to hear my heart. We want you to be connected, but also for you to do that, we need you to try to connect. We understand that, right? Like, for, we, for you to connect with me, I have to try to connect with you. I can't put all the weight on you. You can't put all the weight on me. And so we want you to be connected, but we need you to try to connect as well. And so in Hebrews 2, verse 10, it says this. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, from whom and through everything exists, should make the pioneer of his salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Do you hear that? Can we just go to the next slide? Right here. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Do you understand that Jesus is the one that makes you holy? And so therefore you are made holy and it says that you are in the same family. Therefore, we are in the exact same family as Jesus Christ. This says it's so simple. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them, call you, brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly, and I will sing your praises. So do me a favor, just put your hand over your heart for a minute, and just say, Jesus sings my praises. If you ever want or hope that somebody sees something in you and speaks life over that. Maybe even a mindset like they brag about you. Jesus does. Jesus does. I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me feel good. To know that I am in the same family as him, and he actually represents me, and he represents me well because he actually sings my praises. It's encouraging to know that no matter what your earthly family is like, you belong to Jesus' family if he lives in your heart. 
You are his brother and sister. First Peter 2 says this in verse 16. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Look at that. Love and respect right there. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. We are supposed to love each other. Can we just, just get the house lights turned up for a minute I want, and leave them on? I want everybody to look around the room. I want you to look around. I know everybody, you're told, oh, just look forward, don't look back. No, no, look back, look around, look around. Honestly, look around. If, turn around, look around at people. You can even, if you need to, stand up, look around. Because see, here's what happens. If you sit in this section, you don't even know people exist in this section. If you sit over here, you don't even know people are alive over here. I actually encourage you. I know some of you, like, the seat is formed to you, and so it's comfortable. But I, I would encourage you to actually, like, come across the room, sit on other sides. You'd be amazed how the service looks different, feels different. And you could be sitting here, hear me for a minute, because I really do want you to connect. You could be sitting here saying to yourself, I really wish I could connect to somebody. And what you just don't realize is they sit over here. And what you don't realize is they just sit over there. And so it's just a matter of moving your seat. Not actually the chair. I'm talking about your butt. <laughs> just, just to be clear on that one. Don't actually pick the chair up and move it. Just move your seat. Your bum. <laughs> But we're supposed to love one another. And I know we know this, but I think sometimes, Richard, it was so good, just as you said, we can disagree, but we still respect and love one another. And that's not just for marriage, that's relational. Like, you have probably known and noticed that I have been very quiet this year about the Maple Leafs. That is out of full awareness of where you are in the standings and where my team is in the standings. I don't mouth off unless I know I can. We may disagree, but see, there's a mutual respect there. You're ahead of us. I will be quiet. Baseball started. I've moved on. Hockey finished, for me, a long time ago. But we can disagree and see, we laugh and we realize, yes, we understand that when it comes to sports teams, we can disagree on stuff and still get along. But for some reason, we blow things out of proportion in other areas of our lives. And we're like, well, we disagree on this, so I just, you know, we don't get along. Is it really that serious? Is it really a salvation issue? Is it really something that's going to stop you from entering the kingdom of heaven? Because see, here's the thing, I've said it before, I haven't said it in a while, but if you are a church family, and we want to invite people into our family because we want them to get to know our father, nobody likes going to the crazy, awkward family reunion. So on Sunday mornings, when we come together, we should be happy. We should be smiling. When we leave and we go somewhere else, we should still be happy. We should still be cheerful. And when people sit around a table in a restaurant, the staff should not hear, did you see what they were wearing? Did you see what he was wearing? Did you notice today the pastor actually had his shirt tucked in? 
It's only because it's too long and I'm short. But we have to understand, like, these are such minor things, and we just love one another. The Bible tells us in John 13, Jesus says this, a new command I give you. I think when we hear that Jesus speaks and says, a new command I give you, we should go, hold on, we should listen. This is one that you need to hear. Not only hear, this is one we need to live by. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the disciples. He's not even saying to us, hey, if you look after all of the poor people and all of the widows and all of the, meet all of the needs in your community, people will know my love. He doesn't say that. We should do that. Don't misunderstand me. But what he actually says is the way we love one another is how they will know that we're his disciples. This is one that we cannot forget. See, the challenge is, is this. The challenge with loving each other is our level of expectation on each other is higher than what it should be. See, when a non-believer does something nice to me, my level of expectation, and I'm not judging, I'm not being rude, but if, if I don't really know them, my level of expectation is fairly low. And this is why it happens in marriages too. Our level of expectation is so high on our spouses that when a stranger holds the door for us, we walk through and we're like, that was amazing. Why don't you do that? Right? Like we have these levels of expectation when all it is is it wasn't a big deal that this person held the door for you. What it was was your expectation was this much. So all of a sudden they were up here. The difference is your husband's is up here or your wife's is up here. So it's not that they overdid your spouse or overdid the person sitting beside you this morning. All it is is your level of expectation is too high. Here is my level of expectation on people. I figure at some point, you'll let me down. That's not me doubting you. That's not me going, wow, you guys, I just can't trust you at all. That's me going, I will probably let you down sometime. So I'm banking you will to me. And I'm banking you won't do it intentionally. The other side that kind of helps me through life, I just believe everybody loves me. <laughs> I do. It's one of those things. Honestly, like a year ago, I was wrestling in my head with all of these insecurities. And I mean, like, I won't even share some of them. They were just so insecure and such stuff that the enemy was just having a heyday with me. And I remember hearing the Lord say to me, when I say that, I felt it, but it was so clear. He said to me, Chad, have you heard anybody say this? And it made me stop and go, I have never heard a single human being verbalize this except for me. And the only reason I have is because I heard the enemy saying it. And so he asked me, why do you believe it? 
And it made me think, if none of you have ever said this to me, why do I believe it's what you think? And it just broke. And from that moment on, anytime a thought comes into my head, I feel it and I hear it go, who has said this? Nobody. Just you, stupid enemy. <laughs> and walk away. And I know I make it sound so simple. The journey to that point wasn't simple. But we sometimes believe, as we look across this room, oh, so-and-so doesn't like me because they didn't say hi to me this morning. I guarantee you on a Sunday morning, I will walk by you and not say hi. I won't even know you are there on some Sunday mornings. And it's just because my mind is here, and I've got a hundred things going through my head, and I will walk right by you. And it is not me not liking you. It is me in just a different place mentally. And after the service, I will talk to you forever. You can ask my wife and kids. <laughs> but most Sunday mornings... I, it, I will say hi, but if you notice I never say, how are you doing? It's because in that moment, I don't have time to listen. And so I will not ask you because I know in my heart, I'm hoping you will say, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm good. And if you say something different, I do not have the time in that moment to share with you. And so instead of hurting you, I don't ask. And I know you might say, well, that's hurtful. I think it's more hurtful if I walk by and I'm like, hey, Mike, how you doing? It was a horrible week. Great. <laughs> or I'm so sorry to hear that, Mike. And just keep going. Our hearts for one another needs to be love. If you're going to ask somebody, Mike, how was your week? It was bad. I asked the question. It's not Mike's fault that I asked the question. It's my fault that I asked the question. So now I need to stop and help my brother and spend time with my brother, and not at the end of the conversation say, I'll be praying for you this week, but actually to pray right there. Because if you're like me, there's many times where I'll say, I'll be praying for you this week, and then about, you know, Friday, realize I'm going to see Mike at Hooves. Oh yeah, Mike's around. <gasps> Lord Jesus. <laughs> I pray for Mike, and then when I see Mike at Hooves, hey, how's it going? I was praying for you. You laugh, but you've all done it. <laughs> so just take the moment. Seize the moment, because here's the thing in our lives. We're so busy, we're so disconnected in a connected world that when we stop, I don't know about you, but when somebody walks by me and they say, hey, Chad, how's it going? I'm like, good, good. No, Chad, seriously, how's it going? It makes me pause and go, hey, how is it going? I have friends that will call me other pastors and we never talk about Sunday morning. We never talk about attendance. We never talk about church size. We never talk about church health. We talk about family. Because we have an understanding that we can have a big church, we can have a massive church, we can do whatever we want for the kingdom of God, but if my house isn't right, ooh, I'm a successful, if you look at it from a world point of view, I'm successful at the business I'm in. I understand it's not a business. Please don't get upset. But my family is falling apart. And we have many business people that are successful, but your home sucks. God doesn't care how much money we have. Students, God doesn't care about your GPA. Work on it. But God doesn't care. 
Parents, we have to remember, our child's GPA will not get them into heaven. Their relationship with Jesus Christ will. So we always ask them, how is your homework coming? Where's your grade? What is going on? But do you ask, how's your devotion life coming? Can I help you in your walk with the Lord? But Chad, they know who I am. Do you want to know what your children see? Dads, moms, your children see a man and woman after God's heart who don't always get it right, but who are faithful. I hear some of your testimonies in this room, and when I hear what you have gone through and you are still faithful, it speaks volumes to me. And so your children see that. One way to help them see that is to apologize when you get it wrong. Admit it. Because I don't know about you, I don't get it right all the time. And by all the time, I mean a lot of time. But we're honest, admit it, love one another. Because see, here's the thing right here. First Peter tells us this in chapter 5. He says this in verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. When he says sober mind here, he's not talking don't be drunk, although don't be drunk. He's talking, just before this, he was talking about being humble. Sober mind. Think right about yourself. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Do you realize that the people on this side of the room, I want you to know that some of the struggles that you're going through and the difficulties that you're going through, that the enemy is telling you you're the only ones. There are people in this section, in this section, in this section, in this section that are dealing with the same thing. And for all of you on this side, you're not the only ones. There's people over here that are struggling with the same thing. But here is why we feel alone in a Christian world is because we think when we have a struggle in our life that we are failures as Christians. No, we're Christian. We are trying to be Christ-like. You can read the disciples, the ones that changed our world forever. They messed up all the time. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, writes and says, I am the worst of the worst. I have a mentor that tells me don't bleed in front of sharks. So you have to be careful who you share your information with. But realize, by sharing some of your information, not only can you help yourself, but you can help others. And sometimes by letting people know that you have struggles, it allows their walls to come down. It allows them to say, me too. It allows people, allows your neighbor to realize they don't have to be perfect because, before they come to the church. Because some of them think they have to be because you make yourself appear perfect. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm saying there's times to be transparent. Obviously to a point. I try to be as transparent as possible up here. And let you know when I struggle. Let you know when I'm having difficulties. Last Sunday, we had a great turnout. Thank you for all that came to the family time. And we played, we had skating, then we played hockey. I stuck around, I waited an hour, and then I played another game of hockey. Because they were short players. 
I got slashed right across the back of the legs. I didn't punch anybody. <laughs> you laugh, but few years ago I would have. I skated away with a couple of Christian guys that were on the ice. There wasn't many of us. And I skated away, they're like, you good? I'm like, I didn't punch anybody, I'm great. <laughs> but when we understand inside of me is a competitive nature, if you've around me for a little bit, you will know that. But that's not a bad thing. I know why God put it there now, and it's to kick the enemy's butt. And that's what I try to do. And so we use the things that God has given us. But realize, by being open, it allows people to struggle. And I'm not saying it's okay in your struggle, but it helps people to admit it so you can help walk them through it. How many people realize you can't get out of a situation until sometimes you admit you're in it? Until you admit, hey, Chad, I'm a little bit too competitive. I don't know what to do. You can't get people to help you. That's what I did. Hey, I need to stop yelling at people and hitting people. How did you do it? Well, let's talk. That's what happened. It's just being honest. Everybody has their struggles. And verse 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will, restore, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. As you're walking this through, he is going to build you up and make you actually stronger. At the end of it, you will be stronger. Now God asks us not just to be there for each other, but to go into all the world and share the gospel. This is what he's asked all of us to do. Not just love everybody in the church, but then he says also, go and share the gospel. See, you come together on a Sunday morning to be built up, lift up, so you can go out and share the gospel. So most of you are very faithful coming here. How faithful are you to sharing the gospel outside the house? You're going to hear us begin to talk again a lot this year. And some of you, if you've been here for a while, you, this, you'll remember this. And we're going to refresh your memory a lot this year about invite and invest in one. I, Paul, I, I know people are probably happy that I have a coat on, but it is hot up here. Invite and invest in one. We're not asking you to save your whole community. We're not asking you to save your whole workplace. What we are asking you to do one person. How many people realize if you pray for one person, if you concentrate on one person, that you could actually probably make some ground with one person? See, you need to begin with prayer. Chad, I've tried this, it doesn't work. You need to begin with prayer. If you go for a walk, if you're driving home, walk by the person's house, drive by the person's house, pray over their home. Pray for the Lord to show his love to them. Begin inviting them to some fun things. Just so you know, a lot of people don't classify church as fun. I like having fun in church. I hope you realize when you come to Bethel, you experience the presence of the Lord, but you also can have fun. Because your neighbors don't think church can be fun. You let them know it can be fun, and then the Holy Spirit will show them his presence. Fun is okay. So invite them. 
Invite them to the strawberry social, ladies. Men, we're having another wing night. Invite them out to a wing night. Most of your neighbor guys will eat chicken wings. <laughs> Especially on cheap night. And if they order a beer, don't say anything. It's who they are. Let them feel comfortable. Let them eat their wings. And let them feel the presence of God in the room while men sit together and eat chicken wings. Because, no, I'm telling you something. If you have the presence of the Lord in you, you can walk into a room and not talk about Jesus, and they know there's something different about you. Because of the presence of God you carry. Invite them to a Good Friday service. Do you realize that when you tell your neighbors that all, a bunch of churches get together in town and the Good Friday service is so large now that we have to meet at Northwestern High School, and so you should come. It's going to be really fun. They're going to go once, just so you're aware. People at Easter time are a lot more open to going to church just because it's what people do. So you have an open door there. It's an open avenue already. And by sharing this with them, they're going to go, that is strange. Other churches, what do you mean? Like, there's a bunch of Pentecostal churches in town? Nope, we're the only one. So you get together with, like, what churches? All of them. Isn't there a little bit disagreement? Not important. We come together to celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us and three days later he rose from the dead. We can all agree on that. And you watch your neighbors go, oh, maybe I'll check that out. And then just watch the Holy Spirit do his thing. You don't need to correct their lifestyle because you don't want them correcting yours. Invite them to Grandparents' Day. Invite them out on Mother's Day and Father's Day. On those three days, at least they're going to get a mint smoothie. <laughs> you could tell them, I'll tell you what, you come to church, I'll get you a mint smoothie. You don't even have to tell them it's free. For you that new to Stratford, Carlo and Maddie mentioned this to me. When we say mint smoothie, it's not like a shake that we make in the foyer. It's Rio Thompson's chocolate. I actually make this incredible chocolate that's called a mint smoothie. I was going to ask somebody to bring one in so I could show you what it was, but I thought eating it while I preached was wrong. Because <laughs> you know that if it's sitting here and there's a cup of coffee here, you have to enjoy it. And so invite them. Honestly, they will come. If you've got discouraged by this, if you say, Chad, I've tried so many times, try again. And Wayne, here's the verse. Galatians 6 says this, whoever sows to the please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the spirit or whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary of doing good for at the proper time, hear this, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. You know what I'm nervous of in my life? The harvest I've missed because I've given up. You know, I saw lots of stuff in the news this week about Billy Graham and all that he did, and there was a cartoon of all things, I realized, but it was a cartoon, and it showed... Pastor Graham coming to the gates, and the gates were open. It was just this line of crowd of people, and the person at the gate just goes, come on in, there's millions of people that want to thank you. I would love for that to be an experience, but I don't want to see the people that I miss because I gave up. And I'm not saying that to down you. I'm not saying that to guilt you. 
But I'm saying don't give up because you don't realize that tomorrow could be the day. We have a service here tonight. This afternoon could be the moment. But the only thing we think is like, oh, I've asked so many times. Guys, you're probably sitting beside a wife that you asked out on a date a lot, and she said no. But you didn't give up. And one day, she lowered her standards. I'm joking. I'm so joking. I'm joking, I'm joking. That door was there, I just had to throw it open. All right, guys, I like to have fun in church. One day, the Holy Spirit moved her heart. She finally listened to the voice of the Lord. And she said yes. Some of them had to receive a prophetic word. Right, Melissa? I'm going to look over here for just a little bit. But you don't know when God's going to answer that prayer. And so don't give up. He can open the door for you in a moment. And your neighbor will come, and as they sit in this place, you don't know what will change. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do good to the family of believers. You will reap a harvest. I pray that many of you are praying for a harvest. But I worked on a farm for a couple summers. I grew up in the country, and here's what you need to realize. When the harvest comes, it's the longest days. It's the hardest work. As glorious as it will be, it's a lot of work. And so pray for it, but be ready to work in it. Because when the harvest comes, the Bible says the workers are few. And we need all of you to invite and invest in one. Let's pray. Father, this is just exciting to see what you are doing in and through Bethel. That, Father God, you are moving in such a great way. Lord, these are things that are happening that we get to experience because of the generation and the people that have come before us that have prayed into. Father, just as Abraham's children began to see the promises of you, that we are reaping the harvest that other people sowed. And so, Lord, we celebrate that and we are excited and we take honor in that. Lord, help us to steward it well. Help us to be a part of it well. Help us now to sow into it so the people that come after us can reap even more in the name of Jesus Christ. And that, Father, we are the leaders that you've placed here. We are the people, the church family that you've placed here for this time because you need every one of us to do what you've asked this church to do. And so, Holy Spirit, even now, put the person in our hearts and our minds who we are supposed to invest and invite in. That, Lord, the one person we're supposed to have coffee with or have wings with or have butter tarts with or whatever, Lord, we just hang out with. And so, Father, guide us and lead us. And Lord, help us to celebrate the victories. Help us to see you in all of the small things and give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 